You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. There's a new era in Twins baseball, and this is the show that keeps you in tune with the team's fresh approach. It's Deep Cuts with the Minnesota Twins, featuring insight on the new direction, interviews with your favorite players, and more. Deep Cuts with the Minnesota Twins is presented by Discover St. Louis Park. Stay, shop, eat, and play comfortably close to Target Field. Find it all at discoverstlouispark.com. Now, here's Chris Atterbury. And with that, our autumn and winter slumber is over, and welcome back to Minnesota Twins Baseball all across our network. Chris Atterbury with you on a chilly night, and fitting that the hot stove portion of our programming would start as the temperatures plunge. This is Deep Cuts brought to you by Discover St. Louis Park. We've got a lot of similar elements that you might be used to from the past. We'll be with you every Wednesday night. You're going to hear from all of the folks making news with the Minnesota Twins from the top on through special assistants. You're going to hear from coaches. You're going to hear from players, and hopefully... uh, get the conversation started as we churn towards a very busy month here with Caravan coming up Twins Fest at the end of the month. And wouldn't you know it, spring training is just around the corner. We'll kick things off tonight with Derek Falvey, Chief Baseball Officer, uh, and we'll uh, find out just how busy the last couple months have been for him. We'll let you know about Twins Fest a little bit. And then we're going to hear from new Twins backstop Jason Castro, and we brought back from a year ago three cuts as Jason will talk about being mistaken for an American Idol contestant. He'll talk a little bit about where to find good Mexican Mexican food as well. So all of that coming up, but we come out of the box with the chief baseball officer and the new uh, front office head of the Minnesota Twins, and that is Derek Falvey. First of all, happy holidays to you. Happy 2017. I know it has been a whirlwind. 2016 was certainly one to cherish, and you've been a busy man hitting the ground running. Uh, How was the holiday quickly, and uh, you and the family kind of settling into this transition period? Yeah, thanks, Chris. I mean, happy holidays and happy new year to you, too. It's been a a fun fun run here and getting settled here in the Twin Cities. My family feels great about it, and we're excited to turn the page to 2017. And, And the big topic right now for most people is Brian Dozier wasn't in a box under somebody else's tree. He's obviously an asset to whatever team he is a member of. You had a chance to talk with Brian in person, get to know him at winter meetings. I know everybody wants to know, is there a timeline? Is there a deadline? Is it ongoing? Where are you with that? Is this just going to be an eternally fluid situation? Sure. I think, uh, you know, a lot's been made recently, too, uh, of potential timelines. And I've spoken with Brian. I I did get a chance to meet him at the winter meetings. And I've spoken with him since over the phone a a number of times. Uh, Not most recently, just a a couple of weeks ago now. And I think what's important now for us is is to really focus our attention on uh, now that we're in 2017 on this year's season. And so we'd like to to move past, you know, a lot of the rumors that are out there and handle this as respectfully as possible. I mean, Brian's owed that. I think as an organization, that's the best next step for us. So we're hopeful to uh, resolve a lot of this you know, uh, rumor mill that's out there here uh, in the short term. If you talked to him recently, it must means he's got better cell reception as duck camp this year than he has in, uh, <laughs> in years past. You talk about meeting with Brian because of the nature of this game. You don't get to have the whole team in front of you, the team that you're now leading. Is that something at Twins Fest that you and Thad will make a point to do to get all the guys together, staff, uh, players, and actually get some face time? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, that you're hitting on a point that I think we've talked a lot about, which is, you know, when we joined the organization, it was a little bit later in the off season, so we didn't get that face-to-face contact uh, with a number of uh, staff members and players, and so we're excited about that during Twins Fest. We'll have a number of people here, and even leading up to that, I mean, Thad and I will be will be in the Dominican Republic. We'll be down in Fort Myers in the weeks leading up to it, so we'll have a chance to meet as many people as we can, build out some uh, some of our staff over the next couple of weeks, and and really use that time at Twins Fest to get to know these uh, everybody in the organization a little better. Yeah, the Academy opening is going to be fun uh, and, a, and a big moment for the franchise in the Dominican. You mentioned staff, uh, some new faces, some folks coming back. Uh, talk about the new additions and the process that brought uh, guys like Pickler and Smith and Rouse into the twin staff. It, it was a, a great opportunity uh, through the fall uh, to really get to know Paul's vision for the staff and, and maybe how to operate moving forward. And uh, Thad and I spent a great deal of time with Paul talking about what kind of characteristics and traits we could add to the staff that would help move us forward in 2017 and we're ecstatic about the group that we were able to put together i mean in in the addition of those uh three gentlemen you just mentioned uh we feel we've added impact coaches so first when we we named james rousen our hitting coach someone that i had had some previous uh experience uh, interacting with and relationships with and when you talk to different people around the game who know him they come out of the woodwork talking about how good a communicator this guy is how much of a connector he is how much he understands the hitting side both the mental and the physical side of it so James was the first move of that group, uh, and we got a chance to to bring him into the fold, and, and Paul's excited about that group. And then uh, at the same time, we, we announced both Jeffs, both Jeff Pickler <laughs> and Jeff Smith, and it was a unique opportunity to uh, to promote someone internally, Jeff Smith, who's a longtime twin, who cares very deeply about this organization, and who's been really heavily responsible for the development of some areas of our catching program in the minor leagues, uh, helping to manage players you know, at, at different levels over the last number of years. So we feel as first base coach, who will be focused on catching. Uh, he provides a unique aspect to the staff who understands some of the players who've already come through the pipeline. And then the last guy, Jeff Pickler, is someone who I think um, not everybody completely saw uh, on the staff in terms of the role just because the title's new. You know, it's a major league coach and a coordinator of major league development. And, w- and what that is, what that means is that Jeff will play a number of different roles to help support Paul and the other coaches, whether it's advanced information, how we utilize in-game uh, information to make decisions, uh, to help Paul and Joe uh, through those conversations, but also he'll focus on outfield play and coach outfield play. He's done a number of different things in the game and has some different experiences. And again, another guy who came highly recommended by the organizations and the people he worked with. So the last part for him is as coordinator of major league development, helping to ensure we have consistent plans at the major league level uh, so that we're continuing the development of those young players here at this level and finishing them off so they're uh, ready to be competing at the major leagues. Derek Falvey is our guest. It's our first deep cuts of the winter coming on a chilly night here across Twins territory. Glad to have you with us. Catcher Jason Castro joins us in the back half of the program. This is Out of the Box and Derek, uh, a great first guest for us to lead things off here with our hot stove programming. You mentioned development. Let's go to the minor leagues with uh, Jeff Smith coming up from Ford Myers. Some shuffling this week in the minor leagues. There's perception and then there's reality when it comes to some things that happen in the minor leagues. You can't always go by the number of A's in front of your team's roster in terms of a, a clear ladder or pecking order to the major leagues. And Doug Mankiewicz, case in point. Yeah, I think it, you know when we look at a minor league coaching staff, we want to put people in the best position to be successful as coaches and develop as coaches, but also the best position to, to impact our players. And that's a two-way street. We're partnering with our coaches on, on what lines up 
really well. And Chris, you, you made a great point there that I think there's a view that just like players as they move up from A ball to double A AA to triple A, that that's how you get close to the major leagues. Uh, I actually don't view it that way. I think our view of this is try and put the coach in the best position that works from a family standpoint, from how he can develop a player. If he's a great teacher and really enjoys working with young players, then maybe he fits a little bit better at the lower levels. If it's someone who has had more experience in the major leagues and that transition between AAA and the major leagues, and he's an elite communicator, then maybe that coach goes to that level. So I don't view where a player, where a coach is, um, you know, in terms of level of minor leagues as anything associated or correlated with pecking order. So as case in point, Jeff Smith coming to the major leagues, having just managed. Uh, in high A, Doug now has a chance leaving Chattanooga and going to Fort Myers to take on a, another challenge, a different challenge. He's been there before. He knows the environment you know, from a family standpoint. It's a good place for him. So we view Doug as a, an integral member of our minor league coaching staff and someone we will hope to continue to develop so that he can achieve his goals ultimately of wherever those wherever those lead him. Yeah, he's excited about it as well. Mike Quaddy is back in Rochester. Jake Maurer will have to work on the Southern accent. He's going to be in Chattanooga. And the mayor, Tommy Watkins, will be uh, getting a chance to manage one of the probably best-liked twins folks in the organization in the last decade that, that I've been around. So exciting times uh, in the minor leagues. You mentioned just briefly, Derek, what you've got coming up in the next month. What in the immediate future as you look to dig to the bottom of a desk that you'll never see? Uh, is it all about still roster development for you over the course of the next couple of weeks? You know, Thad and I, each morning, uh, we set out our priorities and try and work through what we need to get through, not just in the short term, but you know, the medium and long term. And, and then we set out on the course of the day and, and attack each, each, uh, each problem that's on our desk. But I think we're focused on a number of fronts. I think uh, right now at the major league level, we're certainly focused on continuing to build out our roster. There are still players out there who we think can impact us in 2017 and beyond. So we're in constant communication with other teams, you know, whether it's on trades or on free agents you know, with, with agents that are out there still looking for homes for their players. So we're spending a great deal of time on that on the major league side, but at the same time concurrently planning for a spring training that will have all of our minor league players in, in player development and in camp and working with Brad Style and the player development staff on how do we take advantage of that time. And then in the coming weeks here, we've got a scouting summit that's going on in Fort Myers where we'll have a chance to meet with Sean Johnson and our amateur scouting staff to talk very actively about this scouting season that's about to kick off at the end of January where we're headed into the first overall pick and a number of picks after that that we think will be meaningful for us long term. So we've got a lot on our plate, but it's exciting. It's the best place to be. Exciting indeed. We appreciate you spending some time with us today. That's Derek Falvey here out of the box to kick off Deep Cuts brought to you by Discover St. Louis Park. When we come back from a brief break, we'll tell you a little bit about what's coming up in terms of Twins Fest, how you can get involved, all of that plus Jason Castro still ahead. It's a chilly night. Great night to cuddle up next to the hot stove right here in the home between Facebook. You're listening to the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Chris Atterbury welcoming you back to Deep Cuts. It's our inaugural edition of Deep Cuts here in a chilly night here across Twins Territory. Glad to have you joining us. There's a variety of ways to do it every Wednesday until opening day all across the Treasure Island Baseball Network, streaming at TwinsBaseball.com. And new this year, check out the Twins Facebook page. You won't see the pretty faces that are in this studio, but you will hear our program, Deep Cuts, each and every Wednesday. Appreciate Derek Falvey kicking things off with a fine segment uh, uh, to lead us off here this evening. Now, we mentioned in that segment, Twins Fest forthcoming, Caravan 
forthcoming. Twins Fest 2017, January 27th through the 29th at Target Field, presented by U.S. Bank. couple of new features. Brunch with TC on Sunday, including a photo with TC and an all-you-can-eat, which is better than an all-he-can-eat buffet, as well as Twins Fest ticket. That uh, is going to fill up quickly, so you'll want to jump on that. Also, this year, the Twins Fest Tap Room, presented by Goose Island. That's We're going to have to fish some of our board ops out of that area. There will be player lip-sync battles, a t-shirt cannon challenge, and many other uh, wonderful attractions. And as a bonus, Twins Fest attendees ride free on any Metro Transit bus or Metro line. Get your tickets today, twinsbaseball.com slash twinsfest. You are already booked into this edition of Deep Cuts, and when we come back, we'll introduce you to new Twins catcher Jason Castro, right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You're listening to Deep Cuts with the Minnesota Twins on 96.3, the alternative channel in your home for Twins Baseball. 2-1, a drive into right center in the alley. That's going to split Sano and Santana and find the wall. Castro drives in two more, a four-RBI night. Very excited here on Deep Cuts to welcome Jason Castro to the Minnesota Twins organization. Obviously, you've been here, you've played here, but when you go through a process like you just went through, you've got options. And players work really hard for a long time to earn the right to have options. How did you approach this situation, this offseason as a family, in terms of figuring out what the future held for the Castros? Going in, I, I didn't really know what to expect as far as how, how things would progress once the uh, World Series ended and, and, you know, what that might entail and, and how long it was going to take. You know, you, you only read and, and see so much about guys, you know, taking negotiations and, and things into, you know, later on in the offseason. And, and when things kind of started to, uh, you know, become clearer um, as far as, you know, who was involved and, and how serious things were getting pretty quickly, you know, we know we had a few options and, and we went back and forth. And there were a lot of things that, that went into our decision as far as the things we were weighing about what was important to us. And, and you know, I got a chance to talk to uh, to Thad and to Derek and Paul uh, on the phone. And, and after I got off the phone, I had a really good feeling about, you know, the Twins organization and where they're headed and, and uh, the, the leadership that was, uh, you know, kind of uh, steering the ship in, in the, down a new and um, exciting direction. Yeah, those are three smart guys who can be pretty, I would think, uh, persuasive when they get to chatting. Uh, and, and three very different guys who all kind of are coming together with this idea of where they want the Twins to go. To be the first move they make, uh, that's not a small thing. I mean, to, they have a lot of different needs, a lot of places, but they chose to start with you as their number one priority. That has to make you feel good. It does. I mean, it, it's definitely an honor, and, and I'm really excited to, to be a part of it. And, you know, having played against the Twins for, for a number of years now, you know, uh, I've seen the, the talent that they have here. You know, injuries are one thing, but, you know, as long as everyone can stay healthy, I, I think this uh, this thing should turn around very quickly. And, you know, I think it's something that Twins fans could, uh, could and should get excited for. Catching always a premium. Everyone wants to talk about pitch framing and everyone wants to try to find a number to determine how much a catcher can help a pitcher. And that's fine. You can dig up all the numbers you want and that's going to be a continuing malleable sort of situation. But isn't that always been a catcher's first job? making your pitcher look good, helping your pitcher get through as many innings as possible? Yeah, you know, ever since and the, the pitch framing thing somewhat new within the last couple of years, but, um, you know, even even in uh, in the minor leagues coming up, um, it's something that's kind of taught, but, you know, catching such an undercoached position as it is, what some of those things that were taught, um, you're not really exactly sure what, what exactly they mean by leading pitchers and, and, you know, sticking pitches was what we used to call it, like, you know, back in college days and, and even before that. But so I, I think the uh, the emphasis that's kind of shifted towards what catchers can do to uh, to help a team, I think, 
because we have unique relationship with the pitching staff and kind of controlling the game as far as calling games and things like that. I, there, there's definitely a lot of responsibility back there, and, and you know, it's something that you know you can have a, a pretty huge impact um, that isn't necessarily something that can be measured. I, I like you mentioned it's an, been an undercoached. Uh, and people almost have had the feeling, well, he can or he can't. You know, either he's a good receiver or he's not. But you can get better at it, and you are a guy who takes a lot of pride in that aspect of your game. How do you go about doing that? Is that something you can accomplish in the off season? Is that something more suited towards uh, drill work and spring training? Who are some of the people who've helped you get better and refine your skills there? So one of the first things for me, I think, was kind of a change in mentality. Um, you know, when I first uh, was made aware of what pitch framing even was, obviously you wanted to catch a pitch. As a as a catcher, you wanted to, to catch a pitch and, and make it look as good as possible. But what did that really mean? So when I, when I first learned about catcher framing as something that was – being measured. I've watched a lot of video and saw the good, the bad. Over the last couple of years, we had a, a one of our catching guys that was in Houston, Jeff Murphy, who came over from St. Louis, had a, had a lot of experience working with Yachty. It wasn't necessarily something that he, you know, thought of as framing pitches. It was just something that him and, and Jose Molina was another one who, who was always really good at it. They didn't think of it that way. Obviously, they were trying to just catch the ball as good as they can, but they were ones that were really good at it. And so I watched a lot of video of those guys and watched the things that made them successful and kind of then tried to tweak and play around with, you know, getting good at catching balls on one side of the plate and then, you know, having to kind of uh, relearn how to set up and and then going over to the other side of the plate, learning how to catch balls on that side of the plate is completely different. So, I mean, you kind of apply some of the same principles as to far as, you know, what you want to do to prepare yourself to receive a ball, to be able to, to keep it in the, in the right spot. But there was a lot of video watching and a lot of kind of tinkering that led me down the path over. I mean, it really took a couple of years to get to where I am now. Uh, as comfortable as I am with it. Twins catcher Jason Castro joining us here on Deep Cuts, our inaugural Deep Cuts for what should be an exciting winter for the Minnesota Twins and their fans. Let's talk offense. Uh, you come up in a Houston organization. You're part of their reboot that's made them a very dangerous and successful baseball team. And offensively, when people talk about this Astros club and the club you came up with, a lot of home runs, big swings, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of walks. Is that you offensively, or is that something that you – learn to do because you were part of that organization and what type of offensive player you think Jason Castro is going to be in a twins uniform? Yeah. So I've kind of evolved over the years when, when I came up in my first few years uh, in the big leagues, I was definitely more contact oriented, you know, not a lot of power, didn't do a whole lot of damage. Um, but, you know, I tried to get on base any way that I could, that, that kind of thing. And then over the years, you know, I started to, to put on a little weight, get stronger and, and really learn that, you know, how to drive, drive pitches. And, and I started kind of studying the swing a little bit more and, and how to do it the correct way. I've kind of tried to apply that, and, and obviously hitting such a difficult thing that no matter what you do from a mechanic standpoint, there's still so many <laughs> other variables in there that you know make it tough. So, I mean, you definitely have to learn to to adjust your approach and things like that based on based on the league and, and what they're seeing in you. So, you know, I'm excited to, to have a, uh, you know, a fresh start here and, and really, you know, get to work this offseason kind of addressing some of those adjustments that, that need to be made and, and, you know, looking forward to it. Speaking of adjustments and difficult jobs, you have a very young family now. Brady uh, is uh, joined your crew. How old and how has that changed your life? Uh, he's six months old, uh, and he has been—he's been incredible. He was born, you know, in the middle of the season, 
right away, it, it really changes your perspective. I mean, In obviously. In terms of getting a lot of sleep when you're on the road. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, definitely looked, looked forward to the road trip so I could take, get some rest. But, no, but, you know, he, he's been, you know, such a blessing to my wife and I and, and you know, definitely changed perspective on a lot of things in life. So you hear people talk about it, but I don't think you really get a, a sense or an appreciation for it until, you know, it happens to, to you. So he's been he's been a blast. Yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, and you only get that, that time when they're young. You don't get to go back and do it over. So I know you guys are certainly enjoying that. Through the off season, leading up to it, should be an exciting start of a new chapter uh, in your baseball life here in Minnesota. It's Jason Castro. He's our guest, new Twins catcher. This is Deep Cuts on your home for Twins baseball. This is the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Welcome back to our inaugural edition of Deep Cuts here as uh, we kick off our uh, hot stove season leading up to Twins Fest, leading up to Twins Caravan, leading up to spring training, and of course the 2017 campaign. It's time for our first edition of Three Cuts. We started this last year. We throw three questions out uh, at our guests, and they can answer them uh, kind of off the baseball subject. We had some all-star answers a year ago, uh, including Trevor Plouffe talking about cleaning pools. Uh, we had all sorts of uh, interesting things that veered a little sideways at times, and, and that's okay. So we'll start with Jason Castro, and I guess the first question is, how many tween fans have you disappointed by not being the dreadlock-wearing falsetto-voiced American Idol contestant Jason Castro? So probably quite a few. That Jason Castro kind of came onto the scene in 2008. We were, the Stanford Cardinal were in the College World Series, and American Idol was kind of like going off at the same time. So I had a lot of like fans and, and people with signs in the, <laughs> I really think that people thought that I was him and doing this in my off time and like I'd get questioned all the time like why I cut my dreads off and and all this stuff so and then it kind of carried on over into the minor leagues that people thought I was like this American Idol singer and I think they were pretty disappointed to find out that I am absolutely not. Can't sing? No, no musical Cannot talent? Cannot sing? No. Zero musical talent. Zero. I love music but yeah, not not a uh, something that does definitely doesn't come naturally to yeah, me. We're going to have you sing Hallelujah here, but I guess uh, I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's go to second question here. You and I share an alma mater. We both went to Stanford and are very very proud of our alma mater, much to Dustin Morse's chagrin. One thing about going to that school, you get made fun of a lot when you come to work for the Twins, and also you undoubtedly have. A crazy college roommate assigned you as a freshman who probably goes on to be a billionaire or some sort of a mad scientist. Mine was crazy. He currently, like, cures cancer for a living with his Ph.D., sure. your freshman roommate, and what uh, billionaire enterprise are they currently running? So I actually had three roommates. Ooh. So we had a, a two-room uh, quad that I lived in. One of them, I believe, is doing, like, some immigration law down in Southern California. Uh, one is a rapper now. Um, my wife actually ran into him in the airport at South by Southwest and he gave her a mixtape of his. So, um, how's it sound? Sound pretty good? Yeah. He's got it. I mean, he, he's really clever with some of his raps. Well, what's the name? Yeah. We gotta, you know, get his name trendy. is, his name is, I, I think his rap name is Jay Killa is his name. His name is Jay Killa Chand. He's got a bunch of videos on YouTube and stuff. So they're, they're a little out there, but, um, it, it's, it's, uh, the Stanford alumni rapper list is fairly short. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I okay. think maybe two. <laughs> and then the other, um, is a lawyer in Houston. Um, I still talk to him quite a bit. He, he played high school baseball and stuff. So we got along, you know, really well right away. And, you know, we, we still, uh, do a lot of stuff with him. So a rapper, a couple of lawyers and a baseball player. Yeah. That's, that's not a bad yeah. little quad. All right. Final question for you. Where do you go? You're a Bay Area guy. Visiting the 
Bay Area, where do you go for the best Mexican food in the Bay Area? Oh, that's tough. There's a lot of a lot of good choices. There's a a, a little kind of hole in the wall taqueria right down the street from from Stanford. Actually, it was called Taqueria El Griense. We just called it LG, and uh, that's where we would go post game. Um, we would go for lunch during the day, pretty much any time. But it is uh, it's it's definitely one of the the best kind of authentic quick. Uh, Mexican spots that I've ever been Are to. Are you going to be allowed back in the East Bay for saying that, for, for choosing a, a spot uh, in the Tony Peninsula? Are you going to be allowed back in the East Bay? I don't know. I hope so, yeah. And I hope so. Well, well you, you know, you share a name with the city you're from, so they probably have to let you in. Yeah, there you go. That is Jason Castro taking his three cuts as uh, Jason Castro, new uh, backstop for the Minnesota Twins, not Jason Castro of American Idol fame. I want to thank Derek Falvey for being here, Jason Castro for being here as well. Of course, Discover St. Louis Park, who brings you deep cuts every week across our networks on the Twins Facebook page and streaming at twinsbaseball.com. We'll do it again next week, 6.30, Wednesday night. It's Deep Cuts, and it's right here on the home for Twins Baseball. This has been Deep Cuts with the Minnesota Twins, presented by Discover St. Louis Park. Stay, shop, eat, and play comfortably close to Target Field. Find it all at discoverstlouispark.com. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.